Hey, everyone, and welcome to another Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Glad to have you along for the journey. I have a great guest today. Excited to welcome in Ben Kenegendorf, who is an e-commerce consultant. He is a speaker, and he's also a fellow podcast host. So excited to jump into a few different areas with Ben. Ben, welcome to the show. Glad to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm digging your setup back there. I got to work on my background. <laughs> we can chat about that. That's uh, that's that's new in the making. That's only been there for probably about a month and a half. So I need nice. to get something different. But um, looks good. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, fun to talk with you. I think there's a lot of different areas we can go into. And you know, being the Just Get Started podcast, there, there's a, f- a few different spots I could have started, but I think there's only one glaring one we have to start, and it's around this story. I want I want you to share it, but you know, doing some research prior around you were kind of working just like an average job, right? You're a Walmart, uh, was it a forklift operator or, you know, at the distribution center. And I'm going to read this for everyone. And you, and you have this on your website, but you wrote a note for yourself, May 5th, 2014. I must, and must is in cap, begin setting goals and formulating a plan for the future. Working for this place is slowly driving me insane. Find your passion and begin. Set goals, set an action plan. Begin the first steps immediately. That's such a cool just get started. Just gives me chill just uh, reading that. Before we get into the May 5th, 2014 and going forward, can you share with folks and, and myself really, what was your life like prior to that? How did you get to the point of being a Walmart distribution center forklift and driver? And operator? Yeah, I think I like to like really zoom out here, right? We, we often like build the box in which we make decisions in our life when we're a child. And so growing up, my dad was a warehouse worker and my mom was a CNA. And if you look at where I was in the years leading up to that, I was working at a warehouse and my wife at the time was a CNA. Like I was literally living what I thought was possible. I was putting things on on the credit card to pay off later like we did when we were kids. Like I was just living what I had been taught and, and little did I know, you know, there's certainly better ways to do things out there, but that's where I was, right? I was working, I didn't really know that you could do anything else. I had tried one thing in the past. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with MMA at all, but I was huge yeah. in MMA back in the day. And Joe Rogan used to say, oh, he got hit right on the button. So I launched on the button fight gear and we sponsored a bunch of local fighters. Uh, anyone listening, don't start a clothing brand. It's not, it's not fun. It, it doesn't go well. All your friends who told you they'd buy something, they won't. Uh, it's not, it's not a good time. So like that mini, fa- I'll call it a mini failure kind of took its toll on me. And so I pushed into the, you know, the corporate ladder, if you will, I was trying to get to first shift in the Walmart distribution center. I was working. It had only been around like 15 years, the building had. So anyone who was on first shift was there. They worked four tens. They had, you know, quote unquote made it. Uh, and so I spent seven years trying to work my way to get into first shift. And right around the time I wrote that notice, when I got there, I got there and walked in at four in the morning and everyone just looked at me like they looked miserable. And I was like, what have I done? Like, I'm 29. I've made it to first shift, the Holy Grail. Maybe I'll become a coach someday because we're all a team there. Um, but no one looked happy. No one looked fulfilled whatsoever. And, and, and I think that was the day I just, I was like, something has to change. Something has to give here. This cannot be the way the rest of my life is going to go. And so, you know, I took a little bathroom break that I, you know, probably shouldn't have taken. Walmart's pretty strict about that stuff. And so I went and took a bathroom break and I took that note and and that was the day I decided something had to change. And I I wasn't sure what, but I knew something had to change. You talked about, you know, kind of the upbringing and and that's what you were around. Like, was that a whole mindset? You you just didn't know any better. Is is that how, what it was? I was like, Hey, this is, this is it. This is kind of how I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to live. There was, there was no direction or guidance, would you say, or yeah, this is going to sound woo-woo as hell, but the, the reality is you can you can do anything you want to do. 
as long as you believe you can. I, I believe Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. Like yeah. we literally choose the lives we have and we only live um, at our standards. We, if we don't think it's possible, we will never take the actions to get there. And so uh, that's just where I, that's all I knew was possible at the time. That's, that's what I'd grown up seeing. I, I've been told, you know, working at Ignorance, we're poor. You'll never go to college. This is just the way it is. And, and so that's the way I built my life, just yeah. how I was told when I was a kid. Well, and one of the things, you know, again, when my Just Get Started mission, I really believe is is this bridge from making the choice, like saying, hey, I want to change, right? You wrote that note, right? You're, you're amped up. You're ready to change. But there's a difference between doing that and then committing to the change and actually taking action and doing something. So how do you think after seven years there, and this was kind of what you were going to do, how did you commit to changing? And we'll get into some of those changes because you've had some pretty drastic ones. But how did you commit to the change? Was there anything you remember doing around that time that actually helped you get off of, you know, maybe the starting line and go? I'll be, I'll be honest. I don't think there is anything that can make you go. Like, you just have to get going, right? I, I think I wanted to believe that there was some successful place I was going to get to and maybe I could get there super quick, but that wasn't the reality. I just needed to take any steps whatsoever. So at that time I had no idea what to do and I just kind of looked in my ecosystem, if you will, what, what were my, what were any of my friends doing for side hustles? Now, of course there was, uh, you know, Susie, uh, on Facebook trying to sell shakes and, and a bunch of other MLM activity in my network. And I, I knew that wasn't the right, I just, I could feel it in my gut. That was not the right answer. Right. Uh, and I had some other friends flipping things on eBay. They would just, you know, go to a garage sale or, or, or go to a clearance aisle and flip stuff. And so that's where I began. I just, I knew I had to do something. I had to make a dollar outside of this building and show myself that it was possible. I think I'd never done that besides the, you know, the on the button fight gear company who made a few bucks. Uh, and you know, I used to play online poker way back in the day and made a few bucks, but none of that was sustainable. And so that's the first thing I tried. I just went out and took action. And so I don't think there's some magic, what made you commit. I don't think I was committed at, at that time. I was just, something had to change. And I knew if I didn't start taking steps in the right direction, I would never know what could change. And so that's all I did. I just started going to garage sales and finding things and making five bucks here or 10 bucks there, or finding something in a clearance aisle and making 20 bucks or whatever. And just realizing that, Hey, there is, there is possibly another way. What so you mentioned this is after you got that you're on the four tens model right work yeah okay yep so what this something it comes up a lot so I'm actually just curious if you remember like what did you have to give up so obviously if you're going to garage sales if you're doing other stuff online the things that you were doing during those off work hours you weren't doing anymore maybe as much do you remember like what you had to give up what you had to reprioritize in your life to be able to actually do that. Yeah, and this might be different for everyone, right? So I can only speak to my circumstance, right. but I was, I was just wasting time, right? I, I didn't know where else to put the time besides Netflix. Or for me, it was Call of Duty. I, was, I would yeah. come home, um, you know, whether it was first shift or second shift. Like second shift, I worked three to one. I, I'd come home at one and I'd play Call of Duty till five in the morning and then I'd sleep until noon and I'd get up and, and go do work again. Uh, and so even first shift, you know, I'd get home at, at 2.30, 3 o'clock hang out with the wife, eat some dinner, maybe, you know, watch a baseball game. I'm an absolute junkie for the Minnesota twins and I'd go to bed and do it all over again. So if I was giving up anything, it was more leisure activities. Um, and again, leaning back into my parents, whether good or bad, you learn everything from them. So my parents would come home, we'd eat dinner at four 30. They'd plop their asses in uh, both of their recliners and watch the news, watch the nightly news, watch the news again, and then watch cheers or whatever, you know what I mean? Like watch their shows. And like, so that was kind of the life I was living. I was coming home and just kind of being a bum and, flipping on Netflix or playing Call of Duty. And and so the things I had to give up weren't necessarily anything not worth giving up. Uh, yeah. it, it just needed to reprior, pre, reprioritize where I wanted to put my time. Yeah. What about, uh, so you went and started doing the 
garage sales, you started to kind of look at and tinker with some stuff. Did you have a goal of when you wanted to leave your job? Like, did you, some bulletin board material you put up on the wall, like, hey, in six months or a year or two years, whatever, I'm going to leave? Or was it more just organic? Let's just see what happens. Yeah, I think at that point, I was just trying to figure out how to get out of debt first before I could figure out how to replace that income. So uh, like I said, I was putting things on credit cards. My wife and I were $40,000 in consumer okay. debt, wow. uh, all on credit cards, right? And so we were just making the minimum payments and paying outrageous interest rates. And so at that point, I don't think I had a goal of here's when I'm going to get out, here's how much I'm going to make. It was just like, I, I, I have to get out from underneath this debt and then worry about how am I going to make I think I was making $40,000 a year at the distribution center, which in hindsight is it, it, that's not a lot. Um, but it felt like a lot back then. And certainly back in 2014, maybe that was more than it is uh, yeah. today where you can get, you know, 20 bucks an hour at, at McDonald's. So well, how about the wife conversation like of, hey, I want to do all this different stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to just go to work and come home and, and you know, play Call of Duty or do this stuff. How was that conversation from a relationship standpoint at those times? Yeah, I think her family actually kind of played a role in me opening my eyes. So her her father was the small town dentist in the small town next to where I grew up. Uh, her mom was his assistant. And so, you know, they're entrepreneurs in their own way. And uh, their assets alone were more than anything I've ever seen in my lifetime as far as like financial. Her brother at the time was growing an in, in insurance company and they were like the 37th fastest growing company in Minnesota. And so I was kind of watching, hey, they're there's something else here. I also at that time had put those up on those people up on pedestals and they're not me, right? I could never do this. Again, it was just, you know, indoctrinated in me as I was a kid, just hearing my grandma tell me, you know, we're not good enough or we're not, we're, we can't do this or X, Y, Z. She grew up extremely poor. And so um, the conversation with her wasn't that difficult. She, I think she probably also doubted me as much as I was doubting myself, but it wasn't that difficult. I think the, the one that came up was uh, when I stumbled into drop shipping, I found a course where I wanted to learn what drop shipping was specifically high ticket drop shipping and the course was a thousand dollars and that day a credit card showed up and it had a thousand dollar limit which is all you get when you're forty thousand dollars in debt and there was a conversation i was like hey i'm gonna spend this thousand on this course and if i fail i'll go back to school i don't know where for for what i was thinking accounting at the time god forbid um but i'm i've always been extremely bright i've just never applied myself there was never anything that really interested me school definitely didn't interest me and so uh, this seemed intriguing to me it sparked my curiosity and and i said do you care? And she, she said, you know, what's another thousand dollars when we're already 40 K in debt. So that was probably the hardest conversation we had. And after that, it was, you know, time to get to work. Yeah. I'm curious if you can share and you could pick you know, some of the other businesses you've done, but the drop shipping, it was intriguing to me of, I it's, it's random because as we were scheduling this a little while back, one of my friends started talking like, Oh, I'm, I'm starting to do some drop shipping. I was like, I think I've heard about that before, but share a little more. So I was actually curious to pick your brain. Like, how did you come across the idea of the, the drop shipping? And then how did you start with it? What, what okay. were some of the, the beginning stages? Yeah, if anybody's heard the term recently, it's likely from some young kid standing next to his rented Lambo telling you how much he made on Shopify last month selling some terrible AliExpress products. Uh, so drop shipping's kind of got a bad rap recently, but honestly, it's just a method of fulfillment. So if I, you know, I'm sitting at a standing desk currently, but if I sold you this standing desk, on my site, standingdestination.com, Apex Desk would then fulfill it to you. They would drop ship it to you. So I never I never hold inventory. I never actually even pay for the product until it's already been sold. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of drop shipping is cash flow, right? There's there's no reason for you to have to go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to open a franchise or buy a bunch of product in bulk. Drop shipping is a, a wonderful way to get started with with little to no cash and you just investing your time and, and your resources. And so 
what got me into it was I, I stumbled on the term high ticket dropshipping. So I'd heard of dropshipping. I'd heard of finding, you know, $20, $30 products and dropshipping them from China in a heavily taped box that would show up 40 days later. And I was like, that just doesn't sound like that's going to lead to anything good. Mm -hmm. And then I heard somebody speaking about selling things that were higher ticket. So, you know, $800 plus or thousands of dollars and from brands you actually heard of. So not some knockoff brand from AliExpress, not some, you know, honestly piece of crap product that I'm sure you see in your newsfeed all the time interrupting you. This is brands you've definitely heard of. So when I first started, my idea was to sell pellet grills. Uh, my wife's uncle at the time was the national sales rep for Memphis, which is one of the biggest pellet grill brands out there. And so that's that sparked my interest. If I went to their uncle's house, we ate on a Memphis. If, it, if we went to the cabin, we ate on a Memphis. So like I just, I was surrounded by pellet grills and that seemed like a good idea. Uh, I was too scared to call the suppliers, which is kind of step one in the process. Uh, and so I, I bought someone in the forums I was part of was very sick and they had four suppliers on board for a store called the3dprinterguy.com. I bought it for like $400, which again, I had to scrape together to get that 400 bucks, but that was my escape from calling these suppliers from taking the action that you need to take to start a business. Uh, the day that I purchased that, then number one supplier dropped me instantly and I never got them back. And so I was back at square one and, and really had to have, as, as you would say, another get started moment where like I, I sat for two weeks trying to perfect the website, make it look pretty. So when I called these guys, I would get approved and, um, yeah, I called 20, landed 20 when I finally called. And uh, that was kind of the genesis of, of my, my journey there. I, I bought a course January 11th, 2015, and I didn't start doing like real action until almost April. And I just, you know, kind of beating myself up mentally and whether I could do this or not. Mm. Yeah, isn't it, the, isn't it the thing of just, it's always inside our head. It's always inside our head of like, we're, again, to your point, like, oh, if I call them, they're not going to answer. They're not going to, they're going to get rejected. And we give ourselves these stories we share with ourselves day in and day out of why we can't do something. And obviously you've proved like, oh, you know, you actually can if you just take the action, you know. Um, what did, uh, so from January, do you remember those, like those days, the, maybe it's looking in the accountability mirror. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like from those few months of not taking action. How did you feel? What were the thoughts going through your head? Like what ultimately sparked you to finally get going in April? So entrepreneurship is the biggest self-help program you'll, you will ever take your, and I said this before you decide how successful you're going to be and you put your own limits on yourself. And so in that beginning for a few months, I was putting limits on myself that I couldn't call suppliers until my site was X. Um, you know, I also was pretty scared to call my wife's uncle and ask his permission, right? Like, I think it was all me, things needed to be a certain way. Uh, the website wasn't quite perfect enough, or um, this brand wasn't quite ready, because you build your website before you call these brands. So you have something to show and be like, here's what, I, here's what I'm building. Mm -hmm. um, you're not just some fly by night seller, right? And so I spent a long time perfecting my website, I owned a brickfirebbq.com. That was the URL I had back then. And so I was, you know, getting the logo right, getting the product. I was worrying about things that didn't even matter if I wasn't taking sales. I just had to get everything perfect before I called. And, and you know, it was just another limiting belief in my head. Just the perfectionism was stepping in the way. And so when I took over the 3D printer guy, the same sort of things built up because the supplier dropped me. But I knew I had three live or three that I could sell. So that got me a little more motivated to get the rest of the site done. And, and hopefully at that point, make the decision to call. And I, I will say, I'm not sure what pushed me over the edge. I remember the feeling it, uh, in like second or third grade, I called this girl, Sarah Peavy. Uh, and I remember pacing in the laundry room 
in my parents' house in like second or third grade before I called her. She said no, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I, that feeling of calling her was the same exact feeling that was yeah. boiling up in me before I called these suppliers. And so I don't know exactly what it was that day before I finally, you know, just was, ah, screw it. I'm, I'm going to call. You know, what? like whatever got me to that point, I'm not sure that day, but um, it took a while. Like you said, it took months and months. So I, I'm not sure that there's one moment that pushed me over the edge, but it, more accumulation of moments through those three months of me battling my own mental uh, demons before actually, you know, getting out of my own way and, and moving forward. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of even the podcast. It took me, I wanted to start a podcast in 2015. I didn't actually start it until 2017. Similar probably thoughts of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not a podcaster. I'm not Joe Rogan. You know, I'm not do, you know, doing this or um, oh yeah, people are, what are they going to think? Like, you know, I'm a sales professional. Like I don't, I don't do a podcast, like all these ideas in the head of like, and eventually it was like the, who gives a shit what other people think? Like it, it, I got to the, maybe the same for you. Eventually day after day after day, it was kind of like, I beat myself up enough where I was like, who cares what other people think? Like, this is what makes me happy. This is what I want to do. Let's go do it. And let's see what happens. That that's ultimately for me, what kind of got me over the edge. Um, I don't know if it was I the think same. Of a yeah, I can think of a few moments. One was, uh, again, I was part of this forums of that course I took way back when. And in the forum, somebody said, don't do pellet grills. Here's my experience in pellet grills. It didn't work. You'll not, And I was just like, oh, fuck, that's my niche. So I, I messaged the course owner. I messaged one of the high-profile people in there. I messaged like the design person in there. And all three of them were like, who cares what that guy did? It doesn't matter what he did. Yeah. It matters what you're going to do. Of course this works. And I think, you know, some of those moments where people were just like, don't worry about what anyone else thinks or don't worry about how anyone else got on or didn't get on uh, with this business model. It works and it only works when you work. And so obviously that guy didn't do his job. And so I, I can think of a few small moments like that that were, you know, pushing me in the right direction, even if I wasn't pushing myself. So if someone's doing drop shipping, then is it picking one niche? Is that the the best approach? Or do you find it's like, it's like one big category? What, what what do you find? If someone's like, listen, Dave, like, man, that drop shipping is interesting. Where do I start with that? How do they pick a product or pick a, pick a specific industry, I guess? Yeah. So what we teach at Dropship Breakthrough is just pick a person. Because at the end of the day, it's people behind the screen, right? It's, it's someone raising their hand saying, I'm interested in your stuff. And so if you can focus in on a human who's purchasing your products, uh, it doesn't matter what products you pick after that. If you can work on serving another person, you're going to know what they buy. And so I, I tend to lean towards like, what are you interested in? Like, what is something you have a passion in and what are the high ticket products in there? Because you're going to know exactly how to speak to that person, the problems they have, the language they use, the places they hang out online. And so I think too often people go into any business model and think they need the bright idea or they need the right product or the right niche. And, and the reality is you need to find the right person that you want to deal with every single day um, for as, as long as this business is going to be around. And when, when you're going in, so from the dropshipping standpoint, you mentioned the suppliers. Is that still the model today in 2022 as we're recording this? Is you're kind of you have to work with a supplier to do that, or is, it, is there more online digital ways to kind of get the right products and, and set up all those um, relationships? Yeah, the reality is you're going to want to go right to the brands. So some brands may not be headquarters in the U.S. and they might have a distributor uh, here in the U.S. that you would need to go through. But for the most part, you're going directly to the brands and you're just simply becoming a retailer for them. The same way. REI or Walmart or Target or Home Depot, they're just a retailer for a brand. Uh, in this case, they're not sending product to you for you to put in your warehouse and then into your stores. They're, they're housing it, so you're selling it online only, and then they're drop shipping it for you on your behalf. But you're going directly to the brands, and 
Uh, the reason we do that is number one, you want the best margins possible. You want to build a real relationship with the brand and you're trying to build a real business. Like this, this asset that you're building through high ticket dropshipping is sellable. I've, I've sold multiple myself uh, and you know, to get three to seven years of your profit in, in one nice lump sum is, is beautiful. And so we do go directly to the brands for this reason. We're, we're building a legitimate business. We're not just trying to make a couple sales and uh, having a, a cute little side hustle here. I, I want you to build a real business. Yeah. When did you turn it from a side hustle to your full-time gig? Yeah. So that first, the 3d printer guy, I, I want to say I made a hundred bucks my first month, maybe, maybe 200 the next month, maybe lost a hundred the next month. It took a little while to get its footing underneath itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I ended up roughly around 1500, $2,000 net profit on average, uh, looking back over the first, uh, nine to 10 months of the business. And, uh, I, I went to, uh, a retreat for the course I took. And when I was there, I met the owner of Empire Flippers, Justin Cook. And Justin said, have you ever thought about selling your business? And at that point, I'd never heard of that I could sell this. And so he asked me my numbers, I shared it with him. And he's like, here's what you could get. And, and the number he presented to me was one year salary at Walmart Distribution Center. And I was, you know, at that time, I was like, holy, I can get one year at, at, right now, like, that's all my debt, or that's a year I could take off of this place and really go hard. And so I listed it for sale and uh, I sold it while still working full time at the Walmart distribution center. I sold that business for one year salary. I sold it for 40 K and wow. um, that, that was the moment I was like, Oh, there's something here. Like um, I should lean into this. I clearly this model is scalable. I didn't even have a chance to take that business anywhere. I was still trying to figure things out at that point, And I was able to sell it for one year salary while not putting in the same amount of time I was putting on that forklift. So I think that was the moment where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. Was that less than a year after starting it? Yeah, so I sold that business in uh, February of 2016. So less than a year of me owning that business, um, but a little over a year of me actually like, you know, starting the process of learning this business model. Wow, yeah, that's pretty incredible. What do you think, what was the reason it was, you know, because you said you were probably making you know, a couple thousand, maybe it was or something like that yep. um, in, in profit. What was the reason it could sell for 40? Was it just because you had all, done all the legwork and now it was, yeah, so it was eventually it, going to... It's an asset, right? So if you go look at the stock market or anywhere else, there's an asset, it sells on a multiple of itself. Uh, and so if you, you know, I would encourage anyone listening to this, go to empireflippers.com or quietlightbrokerage.com and you can see businesses for sale. And a lot of these will be high ticket dropshipping. They won't necessarily say that. They'll say retail or they'll say high ticket e-commerce or something like that. But there's quite a few businesses that are for sale and you're going to get a multiple on that, right? Someone's going to come in and pay you uh, usually a three X multiple to a seven X multiple, depending how old the business is. Now mine was less than a year old. Right. And so I think I got 28 months, um, of a multiple on that. And people are paying a multiple because they're, they're buying an asset from you. they they want expected earnings. Right. And so, um, you can't imagine a business would sell for one year. Like nobody's going to sell it for one year. Right. They would just operate it for one year. So, uh, I would imagine the supply and demand come into effect to find that that perfect um, multiple. But in my experience, I've, I've sold for, you know, 28 months, right? So a little over two, all the way up to seven plus uh, X net profit. Wow. So you're, so you, I'm assuming at some point you walked into Walmart and said, uh, this is my last day. <laughs> so I, I wasn't sure what to do. Like, what do you do at that point? Uh, look, I'm a dumb kid still at that point, right? I'm 30 or 31 or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm riding my high horse. The day I saw the sale come through, I drove my forklift right to the front of the building and I just left. I said, I'm leaving today. And they were like, why are you sick? And I said, see ya. And I just walked out. Uh, and then I, you know, talked to my wife and I was like, what, what do I do here? Um, what's the smart thing to do? First off, I don't have another business, right? I, I'm going to have to start another one and go through this process again. Uh, what would you do? 
And uh, she was like, well, why don't you go see what they're willing to do? And so I went in and I was like, I think I might quit. And they were like, how about you stay on two days a week instead of four and we'll let you keep your insurance while you stay on two days a week. And, and you know, if you're in America, for some reason, insurance is like this big deal. Turns out it's not when you, you don't need it, you can figure it out. Um, but I thought it was this huge deal. And so I stayed on, I, I worked the first day and the last day of the week, which are the two worst days you'd ever want to work, right? Tuesday and Friday or whatever it was. Uh, and I stayed on two days a week and, and it was less than six months later. Um, I'd become the worst employee known to man. I, I, I said a lot of things I probably shouldn't have said to, to people above me because I, you know, I didn't care anymore. And, uh, at one day they pulled me into the office and, and word for word, and I can hear them saying this right now. They were like, it looks like you're having a lot more fun doing that cute little internet thing. So, uh, why don't you just head out the door and then they fired me. I want to say it was in June of that year where they, they told me to go and at that point, uh, I had another podcast kind of sharing my journey and we were affiliate marketing the course we took. And so there was some income coming in and I had started, um, pelletgrillpros.com at that point, yeah. but there wasn't a whole lot of income coming in, but that, you know, that moment they told me to go, I drove to the lake where my mom's ashes are. And I just kind of sat there and meditated. And for some reason I didn't care. I didn't care that they had fired me. I didn't care. I didn't feel like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I just, I was like, I'm ready. I, I kind of felt like it was my time to to lean into this and obviously that'll light a fire under your ass when yeah. when they tell you your income's gone away but yeah that uh that day still motivates me and hearing them say that cute little internet thing uh, i can picture that guy still saying it and uh, <laughs> it motivates me still to oh. this day to keep working on that cute little internet stuff you know well and I, you, you make a great point though i want to make sure we we really underscore it is you you got fired but it's not like you were starting from nothing yeah. You had put in the work over a period of, you know, whatever, let's say one and a half, two years, it seemed like r roughly, maybe a little more to almost ch to change the mindset. It didn't start overnight, right? You were solely kind of testing this stuff out. Then you did the drop shift of, you sold it, you started another, like, I, I think that's the encouragement, th something I've learned at least in my journey, because I was so complacent, so like stuck, like, okay, you work a job and then there's this, all this other stuff and not realizing, no, those are, you can actually enjoy what you do make a lot of money at it, um, have your freedom and, 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 you know, do some other things besides just the, you know, cause I grew up probably similar to you of the fact of, no, you work an entry level job, you work your way up, have a nice life, like that type of approach. And you, when you realize that's a bunch of bullshit, like you can do what you want to your point, as long as you make the choice and make that commitment. So anyways, I, I think it's just important, especially folks listening in of, starting today, it might not be the most grandiose thing. It might not be anything great. You might not even make a lot of money at it, but just at least going through those exercises gives you confidence if you ever lose your job or you're about, you know, like you feel like it's going to be lost. You know what I'm saying? No, I look, I built and sold that business while working full time. Anybody can do that, right? Yeah. I'm a big proponent of drop shipping. Obviously I teach that. I do think it's the easiest way to get started and the cheapest way you can start for less than 500 bucks, literally, uh, to get rolling. So I think that's good. But you know, I'm with Gary Vee on this one. If you uh, if you're the biggest Ninja Turtle fan on the planet, grab a, go buy it. This microphone in front of me is like eighty bucks, and you sound fantastic. And Simplecast is like twenty nine dollars a month, or you can do it for free. So for a hundred dollars a month, you can just go start talking about Ninja Turtles. And if you understand how keywords work, which is pretty simple, like uh, I'll give you I'll give you a playbook. Go to answerthepublic.com and type in whatever you're fascinated by. Put if it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, type that in. And it will populate every question that's ever been asked on the internet. Now, if you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle addict, you're going to know the answer to all of those questions. Mm -hmm. That's every podcast episode for the next three years. And, and just watch people start coming to you. The, the internet's a beautiful thing. Whether you're into 
uh, Ninja Turtles, drop shipping, or underwater basket weaving, your people are going to find you. And so you you can literally do anything. Uh, you know, I, I, it's on pause right now. I had a, I had a son I want to spend more time with, but the BK show, my old podcast, that's what it was about. I just wanted to interview people who are doing what they love, and mm-hmm. whether you're like you can be happy and make you you don't have to be a millionaire. You can make you know seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year with your Ninja Turtles podcast being sponsored by Mattel. Uh, and you're happy, like you're thinking about something you enjoy every day. And so, I, I don't know. I, I I just want to push people to change their lives. Like e-commerce changed my life, and I want that for desperately for everybody. It, it opened me up to what's possible. And I was living what you said before. What was safe? Like I, I saw this path. It worked for my dad. He might not have been the happiest man, but he was safe. And like that's all we crave as humans is safety. And if you can just push beyond that a little bit, um, there's a lot of happiness out there to be had. Yeah, and one other one other point to that is, and this goes back to what we were talking about. You were like, "Yeah, hey, I was playing Call of Duty. I was doing all the you know these things. You know, kind of just wasting it away." It's making those choices about prioritizing. Okay, I can still work my full time job for a year, two years, five. Who knows? Whatever. Um, but in this hour, I have extra, or two hours, or maybe it's you know who knows? Once one day a week, I'm going to go ahead and try something different. And I think it's just that changing of the mindset of like, this is what I normally do in off peak hours. I'm just going to try to do something a little bit different. And if we can allow ourselves the kind of the freedom to say, God, you know what, what could this be? Let me just try. Who cares how it goes? It's just amazing what could potentially happen. But if we don't start, again, who the hell knows what's, you're never going to know what's going to happen, right? You're never going to give yourself. That's the big thing I've, I've noticed with people is they, they, in order to take this on, it has to work. Like yeah. they don't give themselves the grace of who cares if it works? Like if you can just say, who cares if it works and I'm going to go screw around and this is just fun. I'm playing and take all the judgment out of it and mm-hmm. all the expectation. You're going to learn a lot. Like just this business model alone, like you're going to learn Google ads. You're going to learn SEO. You're going to learn conversion rate optimization. You're going to learn copywriting. You're going to learn how to code a little bit. Like uh, and all along, hopefully you're making some sales and, and breaking even, maybe co- collecting some credit card rewards and kind of having fun screwing around on the side and whether it becomes this big business that you can then go brag about to all your friends and, and feel that status you're probably hoping for. It doesn't matter. Like you're just learning stuff along the way. And so I, I don't know, that's the biggest thing I've seen with people is they, they put these big expectations on. And if it doesn't work, that's a big failure. And how will people view me if I, fa- who cares? Like what, like you're going to fail all the time, just go have some fun. And, and so if you can turn this more into, if you can gamify this, if you can turn this more fun in your free time it, it really changes the way you view everything which then changes the way you take action on it yeah well i want to chat just for a few more minutes here. I, i'm curious from the drop shipping stand so let's say someone wanted to start let's specifically drop shipping because that's that's where there's an area of expertise for yourself what are the what are the first two or three steps someone would take to start yeah so what's beautiful is uh we literally give away the entire business model on our podcast and i'll do it on every show i go on because the business model itself is relatively simple, but I know if there's a thousand people listening to this, there's probably like two people that are actually going to do the work. Right. And even if you do, like, I hope you come by our course so we can hold your hand and walk you through this, but you don't need me. I'm telling you right now, you don't need me. So the first few steps and how you can start for less than 500 bucks in 30 days or less is like, you need a domain, right? So that's 12 bucks. Uh, I like Namecheap. You can use GoDaddy or any of the other service providers. You need a domain. Uh, after that, you're going to need Shopify. Shopify is $29 a month and they'll give you a trial to get started. So, um, you know, utilize the trial, but as soon as you hook up a domain, you're paying whatever. So 12, 29, right? The next thing you might need is a theme. Uh, Shopify comes with a bunch of free themes that I think are good enough, but if you really 
if you want the inner perfectionist to come out like mine does, uh, you know, go pay for a paid theme. It's going to cost you anywhere from like 180 to 380 somewhere in there. Uh, obviously, quick plug, if you buy our course, we give you a paid theme for free. That's, that's something we do. You don't need one. I didn't have one in my first business. You don't need one. So that's optional. The next thing you need is Google Workspace. So that beautiful domain you bought, uh, you're going to want Ben at the domain I bought, not, not Ben's dropshipping store at gmail.com that's not professional right so google workspace is 12 dollars a month and that'll give you the whole back end of of everything google uh after that you're going to want a professional phone number right so you can get an 800 number in the u.s through grasshopper that's 40 dollars a month so then you can have a professional phone number on your store as well and uh yes you need to answer the phone that's where most of these high ticket sales are going to occur um you might want some branding i would use fiverr for this that might cost you 25 bucks maybe 30 dollars to go get you know a logo done or a homepage image something like that and then beyond that, it's all your time and Google Ads. So when you sign up for Google Ads initially, it, uh, they usually have a promo of like spend 150, get 150, or spend 500, get 500. And in an ideal world, you're making a sale in that first 150 plus 150 or five, easily 500 plus 500, you should make your first sale. And the margins on high ticket products uh, allow you to spend a few hundred dollars to acquire a customer and still have a few hundred dollars left over for profit. Mm -hmm. So if you can go get your first couple sales in that, first 150 or first 500 you spend plus the free 150 or, or 500 Google gives you, hopefully at that point you're just breaking even while you're learning, like I said, Google Ads, SEO, conversion rate optimization, a little bit of coding, really just understanding all that is marketing. You, you've got a lot to learn. So if you can cash flow in the beginning, if you can make money while learning, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Like go look at what college costs nowadays, go look at what it costs to start a franchise, go look what it costs to start your own brand. Um, I just showed you a path that you can start for less than 500 bucks in the next 30 days if you're willing to put the time in and hopefully start making sales. And I promise you, I promise you that first sale when your phone cha-chings and you're laying in bed butt naked going to bed, uh, that will change your life. That moment you make your first dollar while you're not punched into a clock is something you will never forget. And it's definitely, it's mind altering to what is possible. Mm -hmm. The, the, when you mentioned the 800 number, that was intriguing. So are you getting, you're getting phone calls from potential customers. Are you, how, how are you, how do you answer it? Are you still getting phone calls or have you outsourced that at this point? Or? Yeah, certainly I have, I have a team member doing that currently, but in the beginning it was me. Right. And so, you know, what was really hard was working full time doing this. Uh, I quickly switched to second shift when I started running this business so that I would have more time during the day to answer calls, but things would still come in. And so I'd, Go into work at, at two or three o'clock and I would see, you know, it's not a lot of service in that building, but when I would see a, here's a voicemail notification, Grasshopper uh, types it out for you in your email so you can read it. And if I saw somebody who was ready to make a sale and they were just calling to see if we were a real business or they had one quick question, I'd drive all the way to the front. I'd walk outside. I'd call them back. I'd close the sale. I'd let them know, hey, our computer systems are down right now, so I can't take your order over the phone, but I'd be happy to walk you through the process, right? I would do whatever I could. You got to hustle in the beginning to get those first few sales. Uh, and yeah, in high ticket, you're oftentimes going to find that a lot of the sales happen on the phone. Some people, uh, depending on your demographic, I've, I've served older people who definitely want to call and just make sure you're a real business and um, God forbid they don't want to enter their credit card information online. I didn't know that was still a thing, but believe me, it is with the older generation. Um, or some people just have a quick question they want to get answered. And like, that is the beauty of this business. You're not Amazon. You're not Walmart.com. You're not Best Buy. You have someone there who can answer the questions about the products. And that's why people are coming to you in the first place to purchase from you. So uh, yeah, answer your phone. And uh, I'll, you know, look, I'll give you another example. My first business, the 3D printer guy. I never once saw a 3D printer in my entire life. I had no idea what uh, any of the uh, extrusion material, the plastics that were, I'd, I didn't know anything about it. So when somebody would call and they'd ask a question, I 
I would let my my professional voicemail. Thanks for calling the three D printer guy dot com. Pick up, answer, you know, get their voicemail. Go to Google, search the answer, and then I call them back with the answer. And that's just what I had to do in the beginning in order to make sales. So, um, but yeah, the phone is uh, pretty pivotal in this business model. You're you're basically a marketing and a customer service engine because these aren't your products, right? You're selling someone else's products who's hopefully done a very very good job at building products, uh, and your job is to market them and and handle the customer service. Mm. Yeah, that's a, it's it's interesting because, like I said, all these little legs to it that you have to figure out. But again, it goes back to the comfort level of act, being like, "Hey, this is different. This is not you know what I'm normally doing." But to get to the next level, I have to do some of these things. Because you mentioned you're you had a trouble calling the supplier. Now let's imagine people are calling you, and you know there's probably some nervousness there, making sure you give them the right answer and stuff. So it's kind of like a evolution of. But, uh, but you know. even if you didn't, what what's the worst that happens? They don't buy from you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You look, you look dumb to some guy across the country that you have no idea who they, who cares, right? Like right. the quicker you can realize that no one cares yeah. and no one's thinking about, no one's judging you. You're the only one judging you all day long. Like the sooner you can realize that and become aware of it, the sooner you'll like let that stuff go. And, and then you can just kind of make a bunch of mistakes and move forward and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, so let's say someone's getting started today or they're trying to, at least, is there any encouragement, any you know, maybe it's a quote you live by, you know, it could be anything. I, I, I like to ask that you would say, you know, hey, to get started today, you know, insert blank. What would that be to uh, encourage them to, uh, you know, kick them in the pants? I saw this question in your email beforehand. And I've, I've really put some time thinking about this. The biggest catalyst for me throughout my journey has been working on the mental side of things. It's all in your head. Whether you believe, whether you have a fear of failure, a fear of success, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, who am I to do this? Any one of those things is showing up in your brain. They might not be using those sentences, but that's usually the feelings behind it. There's three words I want you to say. Every time that voice comes up and goes, oh, I can't do that, just say, is that true? That's it. All I want you to do is say, is that true? And it'll cause you to stop for two seconds and realize that it's just a program running in your head. And that it's all bullshit. Like, there's so much BS in all of our heads that was, yeah. again, it was all training you as a kid. And, and you've learned that as you went on to live your life that way. So then your brain reinforces all of those beliefs based on your actions. It, it's all, it's, it's, it's all nonsense. And so, you know, it took a long time for me to work through that. And I've, I've worked through it with some of the best coaches in the world, but in the beginning you got to work on it. Right. And, and that was the best advice ever given to me. It was just every time that stuff comes up and it comes up a lot, just say, is that true? And you'll really sit and think about it. And, and hopefully once you're aware of it, you'll start providing yourself evidence of like, Oh, that isn't true. Why, why am I thinking like that? And, uh, hopefully get out of your own roadblocks and start moving forward. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, I, I think that's the the biggest thing is awareness. Yeah. We may not un, we may not defeat you know that that beast today, but at least being aware that it happens and accepting it and and understanding that it's there. I always like to joke. Um, have you ever seen a Beautiful Mind? You know that movie with mm -hmm. Russell Crowe and and he plays like the, the uh, math professor that kind of he anyways he. It's a great movie, um, but he, uh, anyways, he'd have these visions in his head, and he'd kind of, you know, he they, they would bother. He would like see like, like people they weren't there. Um, well, over time, what happened is those people were still there, but he was able to suppress them and kind of keep them at arm's length. So it's the same thing with we're always going to have those things that come up in our head over and over again and, and tell us we're not good enough. Why are we doing this? But it, to back to what you said, if you're aware on it we at least have the opportunity to push it aside for that moment and then get past it, you know, to move forward. And then it'll creep up again and we got to do the same thing, you know, just how it is. You know, I think those self-limiting beliefs are always with us. It's very hard to, uh, to overtake them, I guess, a hundred percent, you know? 
Yeah. yeah, and over the years, I feel like I've removed a lot of it. But it, they were pretty dominant in the beginning, and they, they honestly held me back from what I could have been. And uh, yeah, I'm glad they're gone. I worked with someone named Elliot Rowe. He's one of the, uh, if not the best uh, performance coach on the planet. Uh, he spotted me at a mastermind. I have no idea why he picked me out of the room, but he, he works with like UFC champions, uh, World Series of Poker champions, and like the top of the top. And for some reason in that room, he singled me out and uh, we kind of became friends and I've been working with him ever since. And my wife works with one of his uh, protégés and just, I can't speak highly enough for uh, some of the work that they do in, in removing some of those core memories that, you know, they're buried in you. You A lot of the stuff he brought out of me, I don't even remember having those, but they make sense in hindsight. I just don't remember that actually happening and, uh, you know, resolving some of that, I'll call it what it is, trauma um, from your childhood. And magically you, you kind of stop hearing those thoughts and as well as you know, just taking action. Once you take action and, and like ask yourself, is that true? And then all of a sudden the evidence is there of like, oh, that's definitely not true. I've done X, Y, and Z. And you know, they kind of fade away, um, but it takes time. Yeah. And this has been a uh, absolute pleasure, man. Where can everyone say hello to you online if they want to check you out? Yeah, if they're listening here, they're a podcast junkie like myself. Uh, check out Dropship Podcast, dropshippodcast.com or on any of your favorite players or on YouTube. We literally give away the whole business model. So if you're interested in that, great. Uh, my other show, The BK Show, I hope it's coming back soon, but there's plenty of back episodes there if you want to. Otherwise, uh, yeah, you can find us at dropshipbreakthrough.com. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. This is an absolute pleasure. Appreciate it. Cheers. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in, and have a phenomenal day.